you know, a cute video like that really emphasizes the point of fatherhood. And this morning we are going to talk about all of you awesome dads and fathers that are out there. But you know, as great as it is to have earthly fathers that teach us and show us things like this video showed, I mean, any one moment, any one piece of advice, it doesn't comprehend, it doesn't compare to a life of a, of a role model of a father living before you and showing you both by word but also by action what it means to live as a godly man. You know, there's so many things I find to celebrate about fathers. We learn so many things just by watching them. The very presence of, of you know, fatherhood in a life has, has the opportunity to teach and bless. And it's such a wonderful thing. But, you know, as much as we love and celebrate our dads, our fathers here, these, these men that are in our life, you know, we have a heavenly father that is more perfect, that is more able, is greater than any man that has ever lived before other than that of Jesus. You know, and the wonderful thing about this father, this perfect father, is that he is a father to all. There is not a single person that he does not want to father. He has a father's heart. Our God is a father at heart. You know, I want us to read a couple scriptures as we're kicking off this morning, and the message is going to be part two of Open Eyes, See the Way. I thought it was so awesome how this message lined right up with what we were studying last week. If you missed that message, go back and watch it later. But we're talking about open eyes, seeing the way, how we open our eyes and we have the path forward in life, a perfect way that's been laid out for us, how we need the light of God in our life so that we know the correct course to take with our life. And last week we talked about uh, a lot about you know opening our eyes and having light come in how that changes things this week uh, we're going to look more at the way that is laid before us and it just fits so perfectly with uh, a father's day message because fathers in many cases they have this way making way leading quality about them and so this is kind of the direction we're going to be going this morning let's look at two verses psalm 68 5 and the matthew 48 548 these are going to tell us a couple things about our god who is a father this first one a father to the fatherless and a judge of widows is God in his holy habitation. Our God is a father to the fatherless. Praise God. You know, what I, I think is amazing about our God is that he does not have partiality. We looked at that some weeks ago. He doesn't, he doesn't bless more a person that comes from a perfect background with, with you know, the picture-perfect family any more than he is therefore present for and blessing the one who comes from a challenged background. Our God is present for all. He's a father for all. What's so wonderful about that is I know people, um, you know, they come from backgrounds where people maybe have let them down in some way, haven't measured up to what expectations might have been in some way. And the good news is this, God does not leave your life in that place. And so before we go any further talking about fathers and some of the qualities of those in, in our heavenly father this morning, what I want us all to know is this, our father in heaven is perfect and he makes up for what lack an earthly father might have left. If there's hurt, if there's absence, if there's any, anything that maybe a bad earthly father has done, it is not so great that our heavenly father cannot undo it. It is not a gap so big that our heavenly father cannot fulfill it. Hallelujah. We serve a great God. He is able to father anyone, the fatherless, those who have had a strained relationship with fathers even. God is able. Amen. So we serve and have a wonderful Father in heaven, the perfect Father. To that point, Matthew 5, 48, our next scripture says this, 
Jesus is speaking. He says, Be ye therefore perfect, even as your Father which is in heaven is perfect. Hallelujah. I mean, this, is, this scripture can go deep. Here's a few things that, that strike me in this scripture right away. First of all, our Father in heaven is perfect, which means he's better than any dad here on earth. Dads, we love you this morning, but we all know that he's a little bit better at the job. Amen? We look to him as the example of what a perfect father is because he is the one perfect father. The second thing I see is this. All of us have an influence of a father in our life. It is God. Because he's saying, because the Father in heaven is perfect, you too ought to be perfect. That means the Father must be the example that we are following after. Amen? We saw this last week, and we'll read it again today, how Jesus looked to his Father for the way that he was supposed to walk. Jesus looked to his Father in heaven with eyes wide open so that he might live the life God had called him to live. We... We live the same way as Christians. We too have a perfect example of the way we ought to live laid before us. And our Father in heaven doesn't leave anyone out. He's calling to everybody saying, this is the way, follow after me. This is the way, allow me to teach you. Allow me to lead you. Allow me to father you, to care for you. We're going to see some of these qualities this morning as we go on. It's good news. Because people are going to let you down. Amen? Look, I have a wonderful father. I have a wonderful grandfather. I have wonderful men in my life. And they've let me down before. No offense. <laughs> Brother. <laughs> Reverend. Grandfather Emeritus. <laughs> Listen. The very best father on earth does not even compare to our father in heaven. The leadership, the care that he gives is unlike what anyone else could. And so if you're today in, in a place where maybe Father's Day hurts a little bit because I have a bad or, or, or a tough relationship with my dad, find courage in this. Find heart in this. We have a wonderful father in our life. We have not been left without. And you know what? He's always with you. He's always with you. Later today, I'm going to go celebrate Father's Day with my family. I got to drive an hour and a half to go see my father. But my heavenly Father is with me all the time. I never have to drive somewhere to go meet up with Him. He's always present to care for me and be with me. Amen. Let's keep going this morning. Let's look into open eyes, seeing the way, and how our way is laid ahead of us by a, a wonderful Father that leads and guides and cares perfectly. You know, this scripture that we started out with, uh, Matthew 5.48, about being perfect. It tells us that there is a greater way of life ahead, and it fits along with the scripture out of John 5 we read last week. And we're going to go back there and, and read one verse in a minute. But it fits well because just like the Father was showing Jesus a different way to live than what maybe mind or circumstance would have dictated, our Father in heaven is showing us a more perfect way to live than what mind or circumstance may dictate. In this particular passage of Matthew 5, what Jesus is talking to his disciples and, and, and the Sermon on the Mount about, what he's speaking to them about is loving your enemies, not hating them. In fact, one of the things he mentions is when you are greeting people, don't just greet your brother, don't just greet the friend that you have, but in fact, go out of your way to greet and be kind to your enemies. 
And what he says about it that's so challenging is this, and this is where God's perfection really calls us to a different way. This is like an eye-opening moment. He says, even the world knows how to greet their friend and their brother, but, but it's, it's different than the world to be there for an enemy, to go out of your way to greet and make an enemy feel, feel kind towards you. That's not an easy thing. That's not a natural thing. So God's perfection calls us to a different way, a different standard of living than what everyone else is called to. We talked about that some last week, amen, with, with how we are supposed to live a different way, not a bad different, but a good different kind of life than what people in the world um, understand and live like. And so we see this other way presented before us, a different way. You know, we, we see in the Word, too, the comparison of the wide way and the narrow way, right? The wide path that leads to destruction and the narrow way that leads to life. They're different. They're different. And so today, as we open our eyes, because we know how to do that after last week, amen? As we're opening our eyes and looking to Jesus, let's talk this morning about what it is we find in Jesus, what it is we find in the Father, because we know this, Jesus and the Father, He images what the Father does. And so Jesus and the Father, you're seeing the same. I don't know if there's anybody in here who would be brave enough to say, I'm just like my dad. But many times that's true. When you grow up watching someone, you become like them. When you follow their example, you become like them. And so as, as Jesus followed after his father's example, he became just like his father, just like his dad. And so as we look to Jesus, we're not only seeing him, our Savior and Lord, but we're also seeing God the Father, the creator of heavens and earth. And so it is by looking at Jesus, I believe we can most easily see who our Father in heaven is. Amen? Let's go to Psalm 119, 105. As we dig into open eyes, see the way. Last week we talked about opening eyes. This week is, is going to be a different focus. This is, is going to be more the matter of being guided on the way by the one who lightens the path, the Father, our God. Psalm 119.105, a revealing quality about our God. It says, the Word, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, so God is Word, Word is God. The Word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. This is what Jesus is to us. He lights the path. And we talked about this some last week. When we open our eyes and we allow Jesus in, we're letting light in so that we can see the things around us. We're able to navigate the things of life because they're illuminated. We can walk through the foyer because it's got light in it. We can walk through here without bumping into stuff because it's lit. Well, in Christ, things are lit too. We have light on the way that we walk. He is our guide as well. You know, if, if I were going to go on a guided trip, I would want my guide to have a light with him, wouldn't you? If we were going to be out at night on some back wilderness trail or something, I'd want a light. If my guide showed up and he didn't have a light to light the way, he'd be a bad guide. You know what? Our God is the way. He is the light. He is the truth. And so in all of these things, not only does he have the light to show the way, but are you ready for this part? He knows the path. Not only does he have the light to shine on the path, but he knows the way. You know, you don't hire guides that don't know the way. If Google Maps didn't know the way, you wouldn't use it, right? We follow those that know the way. And besides just being the light, you know, and, I, and I'm, I'm making a comparison this morning of God, of Jesus to a guide. Because not only does the guide have the light, but he has the knowledge. 
He has the understanding about what you're walking through to, and how to get through it effectively. You know, all the light in the world wouldn't help if I didn't know what route to take. If I didn't know how to get where I was going, if I, if I didn't even know where I was trying to go, it would be no good to have light. It wouldn't be no good to have my eyes open. I need, I need my eyes open. I need light, but I need a guide that knows the way. Amen. We have that guide in Jesus because He knows the Father and the Father knows all. And what the Father has revealed to Jesus, Jesus reveals to us. You know, it made me think, and I'm talking about guiding, but have you ever driven, just to kind of make, make this relatable, have you ever driven through town or, or maybe a city at night? You ever done that, driven in a city at night? Have you ever done this thing, and I'm embarrassed to say that it's happened to me before, but have you ever pulled out, you turned your car on, got ready to go, and you're driving down the road, and all of a sudden the street lights there aren't anymore, and you realize that my headlights haven't been on the whole time. You had light around you, but then you realize, oh no, I, I can't see. It gets dark all of a sudden, and it becomes challenging, right? That's challenging to drive in the dark. Imagine this, though. Imagine that not only do you not have any light, and you're trying to drive in the dark, but there's not even a road to drive on. Oh, that sounds a little dangerous, don't you think? This is what it's like trying to live life without looking at Jesus or God the Father as our guide. It's trying, to, it's trying to drive in the dark with no road. And it's dangerous. It's easy to wreck your car when there's no road and no light. But in Christ, we, we have assurance. We have guidance. There's safety in having light and a path a way made ahead. We know that He is the way. That's what it says in John 14. He's a way maker. Amen. We sing about that. This is, I believe this is what it means. Not only does He, you know, make a way through what I'm going through today. He does. But, but He makes a way for my life. He makes a path ahead through whatever is in front of me in life. You know, I've got, I've got another message I like to preach sometimes. It's, it's called Trailblazer. And I'll preach it here sometime. One of the things about it is that we need people in front of us who go through and blaze a trail where we haven't been before. That's who Jesus is. That's what Jesus did. He came and he lived as a man to blaze a trail through life on this earth. Nobody had done it successfully before him. Nobody had found the way before him. But he came and he did it. Amen. Amen. He cut the path forward and he provided the light to get there. Hallelujah. John 5, 19. We read this last week. I'm going to read it again this morning. So Jesus explained. This is what he says. I tell you the truth. The son can do nothing by himself. He does only what he sees the father doing. Whatever the father does, the son also does. I believe this gives us insight to what the father's role is. Not only God our father, but natural fathers too. There's a guiding aspect. There's a teaching aspect to fatherhood. Waymaking, leading, showing those under you, those, those children, we're all children of God, teaching about what we ought to do. This is what God did to His Son, Jesus. He showed Jesus what it, it was He ought to do, what He ought to say, how He ought to live. Jesus says the Son can do nothing by Himself. He only does what He sees the Father doing. I'll give you a Father's Day Scripture here, Ephesians 5.23, talking about earthly fathers, but it also compares to our heavenly father for the husband is head of the wife. Even as Christ is the head of the church and he is the savior of the body. 
It's an indication of how God relates to us. You know, um, in this scripture, I believe Paul, when he wrote in Ephesians to the Ephesus church, he was actually making a comparison of, of families to explain how God works. But now it's, it's almost like sometimes we, we explain how God works to show how people ought to work. It's interchangeable because it, it does work the same way. Back then, they, they understood this. Marriage was pretty much transactional in the Ephesus culture. They, they got married to have children and raise a family, and, and that was the majority of the purpose in that Greek culture of the time. And so they understood when, when we get married, you know, the husband in that culture was, was more of a ruler than anything else. Paul makes a comparison here, and he says, like Christ is the head of the church. He doesn't say the husband is ruler over the wife and the children in the household. He's, he's not the king of the house, the king of the castle. He says he is the head of the wife. You know, being the head of something and, and being the king of something are different things. Because a, a king that rules doesn't care what happens to those that are under him or around him. Not always. Not a, a just king would, but earthly kings usually do not. A head, though, is different because a head cares about the body that's attached to it. Isn't that right? Uh, you know, I, I, don't, I don't want my hand to get cut off because I like my hand. My hand helps my head. I'm able to use it to do things that are in my mind or, or in my will. I'm able to go places because I have these legs and feet attached to the bottom of me. I don't want to lose them because they benefit me in the same way. You know, husbandship, fatherhood is supposed to look that way, not like I'm in charge, do what, do what I say. Anybody ever heard dad say, do what I say because I said so? I've heard that before. And listen, it, it's not about just getting my way. It is about leading my whole body forward to good things. It's about walking as, as one family, one body, one church to the good things that are ahead, to the life that is in store at the end of this path. And so it's, it's a different kind of relationship to be head of something or to just rule something. It's, it's a different relationship. And I love that the way the Holy Spirit prompted Paul to write this was to describe it as a head because it gives us this picture of care for those around and under the head. It's about leading the whole unit into what is right. I believe Father's interactions are supposed to be this way. This is what God shows us. This is how God is as our Father, isn't He? You know, He cares for us. If God were just a ruler, I mean, there'd be times it would be better for Him to just cut us off. Sad to say, but it's true. Sometimes it, it would probably be better for His body to, to get rid of some of the things we do. But He doesn't. He doesn't give us up. He doesn't cut us off and sever us because He paid a tremendously high price to bring us into His body. And so he cares for us. And rather than cutting off the parts that he doesn't like, he wants to lead the whole body into the better, abundant life that is ahead for them. Amen. This is our Father in heaven. He is the head of our church, the head of our family. He is the one that directs us, the one that leads and guides us. He takes responsibility for the actions of the body. Oh, amen. The responsible father is a good father. I don't know if this has ever happened for you, but um, when, when I was younger and a little more mischievous, there were a couple things I did, and my dad got calls about me. Has anybody else ever gotten a call or, or been called about? Amen. You know, because he's the father of the family, he takes responsibility for what we all do. <laughs> Amen. This is fatherhood. This is how our father is. 
You know, our God, He takes responsibility for us. This is one of the reasons I'm so motivated to live my life after Jesus to look like He does because when I'm not representing Him well, I don't always see an immediate effect, but He takes the responsibility for it. I know everybody's met a Christian that didn't act like a Christian at some point in their life. You know who catches the worst part of that? It's not us. It's Him. He takes the responsibility because He's the Father. He's the head. Christ's relationship to the church, God's relationship with Jesus, is the perfect display of the family dynamic. It's the perfect display of fatherhood. Leading in love. This is the way set by Jesus who follows the Father. He leads in love, doesn't He? And this is what He shows us to do. You know, fathers out there, I'm I'm talking to you, but I'm also talking to us this morning about the way we interact with the family of God, the kingdom of God, our heavenly Father. He leads us in love, just like we're called to lead in love. Let's look at Psalm 103.13 in the New Living this morning. It says, The Lord is like a father to His children, tender and compassionate to those who fear Him. See, we have the perfect Father. Because even in leading, even in trying to bring everybody along to what's ahead, He is tender and compassionate. He is loving and caring. You know, these are qualities about fatherhood that I don't think always get a lot of attention or recognition that fathers are are tender and caring. Our Heavenly Father is tender and caring towards us. He's not rough. You know, sometimes to to make progress in life, you know, to go on the trail ahead, it it takes a tough you know, it, it's hard. You just, you got to buck up and do it. But that's not how our God is, is He? No, He leads us tenderly and compassionately. And He is a manly God. You know, Jesus was a manly guy. You know, I know a lot of times you might see pictures of Jesus with the lamb around His shoulders, and, and there was that side to Him. He was loving and compassionate and caring, but at the same time, He was rugged and tough and bold and daring. All in one. They're not mutually exclusive. You don't have to have one but not the other. This is where I believe part of the enemy's plan for, to get fathers off track is to push them to a side of extreme and say, you either got to be the tough guy that gets stuff done or you got to be a wimp that is nice to people. That's not true. That's not God-based fatherhood at all. God is a God of balance. God is a God that brings two things that are opposites together and makes something beautiful and perfect out of them. And this is the kind of fatherhood we see exemplified by our God in heaven. Kindness, nurturing, caring, but also leading forward daringly and boldly without fear. It's possible to be both. Amen. And it's in our Father God, in Jesus His Son, that we find this perfect balance, this display. He is loving, tender, and compassionate. To those who fear Him. You know, last week we talked about, um, there was a scripture about how um, Jesus, you know, He first did these acts. He did these deeds of love. And then people wanted to know what He had to say, right? We talked about how obedience, um, after obedience follows evangelism. Our opportunities to share the Word, to share the light of God, follows after obedience to Him. This is what we saw with Jesus. This week what I see is this. Leading follows after loving. Leading follows after loving. I heard somebody say it this one time, until, until they know you care, you, you, can't, you can't change them. Until they know you care about them, you can't give them discipline. Because if, if it's all discipline and no love, they're not going to love you back. 
They're, they're not going to trust. And we talked a couple weeks ago about love and how discipline is a part of love, right? That only comes, you're only able to do that well and, and retain the relationship when there is a knowledge of the love that's present, that they know you're doing it in love. And so I believe this, leading follows loving. Love comes first, and then when somebody knows that you love them and care about them, they allow themselves to be led by you. This is where, you know, if, if we're talking about a body, well, if my hand didn't know that the place I wanted to go was a good place and my hand didn't trust the rest of me, it might be holding on to the past and saying, no, don't bring me there. I don't want to leave where we are now. I don't want to go. But if there's trust, and I know this is kind of a funny example because my hand doesn't have a mind of its own, but if my flesh was saying, no, I don't want to do it, but I'm trying to lead forward, if there's trust, it's much easier to go along with the leadership. And this is how God leads us. He loves first. You know, we, we know in John 3, 16, it says, For God so loved the world that he sent his son. God loved so much that he sent away. The love preceded the leadership. Before he ever sent Jesus to lead us in a different way, he first loved us enough to send Jesus. Tender, compassionate love. This is what we see in our Father in heaven. You know, I, I think a lot about my father. I told you I've had great examples of, of men of God in my life. I've, I've been blessed by that. You know, I think about the way my dad led me in love through different times in life. And for me, it is an example of, of, of how God leads and loves us. You know, I remember him guiding me in, in, in areas like what it means, you know, to be a man of God, teaching me about godly manhood. I remember him guiding me in simple things like how to change a tire, change the, I mean, dad gets the car job a lot of times, right? We, we say, yeah, dad knows about cars. He knows how to fix stuff. I remember my dad teaching me things like that. I, I know now even he guides me and helps give me leadership when it comes to how to be a pastor, how to minister, because he's done it for many years and he's got some Wisdom and advice to impart to me. He helps guide me forward. In the same way, God is that way for us. He guides us. He leads us. He teaches us in anything and everything that we might need Him for. And what I found with my Father that I want to relate to our Heavenly Father today is this. He's often the first person I call. And this is just my relationship with my earthly Father. I call him before anybody else on most subjects. I mean, if it's, if it's relational things, if it's ministry things, if it's just life stuff, he's one of the first people I always call. It's because we have a good relationship. It's because I, I trust his leading in my life. I know he loves me. In the same way, we ought to call God first in our life because we trust his leadership. Has he ever led you wrong? No. We trust His love. We know He loved us so much He sent His own Son. We trust His love. We trust His leadership. And so God ought to be our first call. Just like my earthly father is, God should be the first one I look to in any situation. We're talking about open eyes, seeing the way. When I'm trying to follow the way of the Lord, the first one I look to when I'm not sure about where to go should be Him. I shouldn't look anywhere else trying to find the way. I just look to Him because He is the way. He knows where we're going. He knows how to lead. You know, I, and as I talk about calling him first, I, I can't escape the memory of one time I did not call him first. And, and it, to me, it, it shows me something about the way we interact with God. So I'll tell you the story, and I hope it ministers to you the way it reminded me of this. There was a time I was in high school, and I had my first car. It was actually my grandparents' old car. 
And this story might make you sad to hear about it, but I was driving down a country road one time, going on this gravel bend, and there was kind of washboard on the road. I start taking this turn. I didn't really know how to drive that well at the time, and my car starts fishtailing. We're on the side of this, we're in a hilly part of Madison County, Iowa. I slide this car from one side of the road to the other. I end up launching it off the side of the road, going, I mean, I flew in a Buick Park Avenue, okay? It was, it was an incredible, incredible sight. I take this car airborne. I ride it through a, a ditch and end up plant, the, the guy that towed me out said I put a square car in a round hole. <laughs> Surrounded by trees, I mean, it's miraculous that I didn't get hurt. I mean, thank you, Lord, for keeping me alive. So I, I'm... I've got this car stuck. And at first I thought I had some buddies with me. I thought maybe we can pull it out. Well, I looked, I looked to my side and there was like a 12 foot wall of, of road. I mean, I had gone down and I needed, I wasn't going to be able to get it out on my own. This is the one time I can remember. I didn't call my dad first. <laughs> Obviously I wasn't thinking clearly. <laughs> I called my mom <laughs> who drives a minivan and, and is not, it, what you might call automotively uh, competent, like in, in fixing stuff, okay? She knows how to drive. I'm not saying that. She, she's, she doesn't work on cars, okay? I call her and I say, Mom, I got my car stuck. Do you think you can hum, come help me get it out? She goes, what do you think? Who do you think I am? She goes, no, you need to call your father. I said, okay, I will. I was dreading that call to my dad because I was afraid of what he was going to say to me. Even though I knew he was the one that could help me in that moment, I decided to call my mom, and I don't know why. But I called mom, and I was like, Mom, I need help. Thinking she would be more, you know, just, oh, it's okay. It's going to be all right. She wasn't, by the way. She was like, well, you shouldn't be calling me. Call your dad. So I call my dad. I tell him, hey, I got my car stuck. I think, you know, I think we might need, we might need some, serious, uh, some serious towing to get this thing out. I mean, it's, it's stuck. He shows up and he's like, Isaac, we, we need to call like a wrecker. I mean, this is, we had to get two giant trucks with like crane arms and it was a, it was a deal. That's not really the point of the story. The point of the story is this. I called my mother first because I was afraid of the consequences that would come when I confronted what I had done wrong with my father. The only, and this is the only time I can remember where I didn't call him first about something. And the reason I didn't was because I was afraid of what he was going to say about it. It makes me wonder, how many times have I not called on God first when I'm going through something difficult because I'm afraid of what he's going to say to me about it? You know, my dad didn't, he wasn't happy with me, but he didn't disown me. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Dad. He helped me get it out. I had to work all summer to pay for the stuff we had to repair, but you know what? He got me driving again. He, he didn't say, you're done, you're never driving. He helped me find the right way. He helped me learn about how to get out of this thing because he knew how to, I mean, he, he was similar to me when he was my age. He probably, he probably did some things with cars he wasn't supposed to do either. He probably got them stuck a couple times. He learned some things. He learned the way out. So I was afraid of the consequence and it made me not call the one that I needed to come help me. I think in the same way, sometimes we are hesitant to call out on our Heavenly Father because we're scared of what He's going to say to us. We, and it's not, it's not our spirit, man. I'll tell you that much. It's either the flesh or it's the enemy trying to get you deceived into thinking He's not going to care for you. Our God is a loving God who wants to lead us out of difficult situations like that. And so when I go through difficult things, I don't want to hesitate to call my Father first. Amen.
He's not, he's not a God that, that wants to put us down. He's a God that wants to build us up. And so I have no fear to call out on my... When I mess up, the first one I'm going to call is my Father in Heaven. Because He's the one that knows the way out. He knows the way to better things. 2 Corinthians 12, verse 9 Scripture that I find reinforces this point that God cares for us. He doesn't want to put us down. He says this, My grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, I will rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Imagine if Paul had refused to acknowledge his weakness. If Paul had refused to acknowledge that he had messed up before, he wouldn't have been able to do everything that he did in in the New Testament. Just like me, when I refuse to acknowledge weakness or somewhere I've missed it and I won't go to my Father for His strength, I'm really just shortchanging myself from being able to walk the path that He has for me more fully. This is His plan for us, that we go to Him and call upon Him when we need Him because His strength, His grace is sufficient for our weakness. Amen. He's a good God. He provides for us. He leads us to better So my next question, you know, as I talk about my weakness, maybe, maybe putting me off from calling out to God first, what I find next is, is, is this. My familiarity with God is, is one of the things that is going to either drive me to Him or keep me away from Him. The more familiar I am with God, the more I know Him, the easier it's going to be for me to trust Him, right? The more you know someone, the more you trust them. The more time you spend with someone, if they're trustworthy, the more you trust them. It's, it's being familiar with someone, it, it helps you call out on them. You know, if I didn't trust my father, I wouldn't call him. I wouldn't call him. But I do. And my heavenly father, I've, he's been faithful in my life. I've seen him work and move in my life. And so now I have trust for him where he can be the very first person that I call. Psalm 119, 10-11 You know, this is written by David, and David was a man who was intimately familiar with God. He knew his God. This is what he writes. He says, "Uh, with my whole heart, I have sought you. Oh, let me not wander from your commandments. Your word I have hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. David, this man who was familiar with God, God said he was a, a, a man who searched after his very heart. David, familiar with God. He says, I've I've sought you, Lord. I've come to know you. I've spent the time with you to get familiar with you. In this series, we could say it this way. He spent time looking at God. And we talked last week about how it's important for us to open our eyes so that we can look to Jesus. He spent time looking at God. And he says this, let me not wander from your commandments. For your word I've hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. What this means is the more time I've spent looking at you, the more I've gotten to know you. And so now I know the way to go. Because I know you, I know the way. I'm not going to wander off this path. I'm not going to go to the left or to the right or find some other thing or get bogged down and stop in the middle of the track. I'm going to keep pursuing you because I know where you are. It's because I know you. It's because I've become familiar with you. God does not make it difficult to find Him. He has made it so easy. He's given us the... I mean, He's preserved His Word for us for thousands of years so that we can look to it and come to know Him. I'm blessed that we can meet like this and come before Him in His very presence like we did this morning and get to know Him, get to know His heart. 
It's not difficult to seek God, to find God. You know, he, he showed me this, and I'm going to go through each one of these points. When we seek Him, we find Him. When we seek Him, we find Him. When we find Him, we know Him. When we know Him, we trust Him. And when we trust Him, we rely on Him. When we seek Him, we find Him. When we find Him, we know Him. When we know Him, we trust Him. And when we trust Him, we rely on Him. When I come to trust my God after seeking and finding and coming to know Him, when I become trusting of God, I begin to rely on Him. Just like I called my dad first. I, there's a reliance there. I, I rely on Him to give me advice and to help lead me in things that I haven't gone through before. There's a reliance factor. And with God, it's the same way. As we become trusting of Him, we ought to begin to rely on Him. Reliance is an act of relationship. It's connection. Reliance is dependence. It means I, I need you in my life. I need you in my life. There is no one that I need in my life as much as I need my Father in heaven. I'm totally reliant on Him. But that comes because I totally trust Him. And I totally trust Him because I've come to know Him. And I've come to know Him because I sought after Him and I found Him. This is the, the progression of our faith in life. We have to come to be reliant on Him. This is God's plan for us. And whether we know whether we realize it or not, we really are reliant on Him. You know, unfortunately today, people, you know, they, they brag about being self-reliant. I'm independent. And it is, it's a good thing in, in some ways. I mean, I don't believe we ought to be dependent on things of this world. But the flip side of that is we have to recognize how dependent we are on our God. Because if we think we don't need Him, we're never going to look to Him. And I think even more so the challenge of it is this. It becomes easy to look to Him for certain things and think that we're, we're, we got it, we're good. I rely on him to save me and bring me to heaven, but the rest I've got. I can take care of the rest. That's not the way we're supposed to live. We ought to be totally reliant. Everything we go through, it ought to be, God, I'm looking to you right now. I'm, I'm looking for your leadership through this for me. This is the plan. He wants us to be reliant on him. I believe this, the relationship you rely on is the relationship that grows. The relationship I rely on is the relationship that grows. Think about it. The things that we rely on in life, we, we are in a type of relationship with them. I was listening to somebody talk recently. I don't remember who it was. Someone was telling me that their AC went out the other day. And they go, oh, it was, it was a disaster. We had to get that AC going quick. We called someone in and we got that thing swapped out. We need AC. I'm reliant on AC. And when it's not there, I, I recognize it really quick. Do you recognize when you're not calling on God? I think this is a gauge of reliance. How, how big is my reliance on Him? How, how big is my relationship with Him where when He's missing, I notice it right away. And I, I need it back immediately. I don't want to go a day. I don't want to go an hour. I don't want to go a minute without God in my life without my Father leading me in life. Just like AC. Look, I like, the way, I like it cool out, and, and I don't set the thermostat, so if you don't like how cool it is in here, it's not me. But I don't like it cool, or I don't like it hot. I like it cold. I'm, I'm a little bit reliant on my AC to work. 
If my house, if I show up and it's like 80 degrees, I'm not going to be happy about it. I'm going to be the same way. I'll call somebody and say, I need to get this back now because I don't want to live like this. The same way with God. When we recognize He's not, I don't, I don't know where He is. I don't see His leadership. I, I don't know what the way is and, and I don't see Him in my life right now. I got to get Him back now because I don't want to live like this. I don't want to live without Him leading me in life. He is our way. And so when we have our eyes open, we have to look to Him to find the way. You know, in John 15, and we're not going to turn there, but He talks about how you're the branches, I'm the vine. This is what Jesus says. He is the very life that comes into us. God, I cannot live without You. I cannot succeed without You. I cannot produce without You. I need you in my life. This is how our relationship with the Father is supposed to be. Our Heavenly Father is supposed to be like this. Contrary to a world system where independence is viewed as the best in relationship with God, dependence is the best. The more aware I am of my dependence on God, the more willing I am to receive His teaching, His direction, His help. Because if I view myself as independent, I can do it without you, God. I'm not going to receive what He wants to give me. I'm not going to receive the blessing of Christ if I feel like I don't need it. So when I am in His presence, when I'm coming and meeting with God, I want to recognize, Lord, I'm reliant on You. I rely on You, Father God. I rely on You, Jesus. You are my provision. You are my supply. You're my life. You're the very life in me. Recognizing this, I believe it opens us up to receive all that He has for us. Amen? Matthew twenty two thirty seven. 37, to the point of receiving you know, in part or receiving in whole, Jesus said unto him, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy mind. God doesn't just want part of us. He wants all of us. Amen? He doesn't want us to segment off Sunday morning or Wednesday night. He doesn't, he doesn't want to have some of our relationships. You know, God, work in my relationships with my Christian friends, but leave my work friends to me. He doesn't want to work like that. Your Father wants to lead in every area of your life. And the more dependent we are on Him, the more of the abundant life we will receive. Amen. He doesn't want a part. Jesus says, with all, all of you, Love Him with all, because He loves you with all. When we realize how much better the life is being reliant on God, I believe this, we will run to give Him every area of life. When we realize how good He is, how, how trustworthy He is, I won't want to hold anything back anymore. And I I don't know if this is for somebody in here this morning that you've been holding back a part of your life, reserving it from your Father in Heaven, reserving it from Jesus. But He he wants all of it. And the same way that He's brought your spirit man alive again, raised it from the dead, He can do that with any area of life. And so as I give Him every area, every area is going to be part of of the life He has intended. It's, It's going to be on the path of righteousness, on the path of life. I'll find myself not having the the weights and and maybe destructive or or hurtful things that I once had. When I give those up to Him, He can raise them to life just like He raised my spirit man to life. I want to give Him all of it. 
Let's look at Luke 6.45. Looking to Jesus. One of the things we talked about this last week, and it, it kind of it goes on this week. You know, there was some stuff I, I wanted to preach last week, but we ran out of time for it. And so I'm, I'm trying to wrap a couple of those things up this morning as well. We've already talked about some of them, but this was another one about how our eyes, what we are letting in is what is on the inside of us. And we're, you know, the word talks about how our eyes are a lamp to our, our inner man. And so when we look on light, we have light within us. If we're not looking at light, then what we're bringing in is dark. You know, our eyes, they operate as, as a gate of sorts, where what comes in, in my eyes is what is in me. Luke 6.45 says, A good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth good. And an evil man out of the evil treasure of his heart brings forth evil. For out of the abundance of the heart his mouth speaks. What is in me is, is what comes out of me. What gets in me is what I am looking upon. Open eyes, see the way. Where I'm looking is where I'm going. What I'm taking in, what, I, what I'm fixing my eyes on is what is going to get in me. And eventually that's what's going to be coming out of me. You know, it makes me think about in the springtime, there's that first cut of, of grass. I love walking around in the spring and smelling fresh cut grass. Anybody else? Any of the fathers in here, do you like the smell of fresh cut grass? Yeah, I like it. I like it a whole lot more than when I walk by the garbage can that's been sitting in the sun for a week in 100 degree weather. I, I like what comes in when I walk through the grass. I don't like what comes in when I'm walking through the trash. <laughs> You know, when we follow after Jesus, it's, it's walking through the grass. We're taking in life. We're taking in goodness. We're putting it in, and that's what comes out later. You know, when I walk around the trash, I go home smelling like trash. And people don't like it when you smell like trash. But when I'm walking through grass, I mean, I've had people, I walk through grass, and I come inside, and people are like, oh, you smell good. It's, I smell grass. It goes with you. What you take in stays with you, and eventually it's, it's going to be what comes out and is, is, is given to others. When I have good coming out, there's, there's one reason for it. It's because I've been taking Jesus in. Amen. When I have good coming out of me, when I have love coming out of me, when, when I have wisdom or understanding, when I have guidance and, and uh, security and confidence in the way I'm walking, it's because I've been taking Jesus in. And that's who he is. And so as I bring him in, that's what comes out. As I take in the one who's confident about the way to life, I become confident about the way to life. When, when I take in the one who knows right from wrong and is able to discern that, I begin to be able to discern that. It's all about the intake. When, open, when we open our eyes up, we see the way, and the way is Jesus because Jesus has seen the Father, and the Father has shown him the way. So not only does he have the light, not only does, is he willing to lead us, but he knows the way forward. Amen. It's good to follow a God that knows the way forward. It's good to serve Jesus, the Lord and King, who knows the way forward. What's going to come out of me in speech and action is going to be in line with Jesus. One, one last, mainly one last thing here, probably, in Romans 15. Is this good? Is this okay? We can keep going on the way. Romans 15, verse 6, you know, talking about what's coming out. What's coming out of me. 
Paul writes to the Romans, he says that you may with one mind and one mouth glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. This is one of the things I wanted to talk about last week. When we are taking the light in, when my eyes are open and I see Jesus in front of me, what's going to come out is going to be the same as the rest of the church. One body, one mind, one voice, one message, one word, one name. Amen. We ought to be unified in our message. And, and, and when I find myself out of unity with what a body that believes the word, speaks the word, t- teaches and, and looks to the word is saying, what I have to ask myself is, am I taking in the same message? Am I taking in the word? Am I taking in Christ? Or, or, or is that belief found in something else? What I'm saying right now, what I'm believing right now, am I finding that in the Word or am I finding that somewhere else? I think we see right now a, a lot of diversity and not the good kind in what people are saying about issues that are going on today. The church should have one message. Christ is the way. He loves the whole world. There is no division or separation in Jesus Christ and we're all made better because of Him and not us. That ought to be the message every church in America is preaching today. Unified. One mind, one voice, because we have one that leads us. One head. I can't hold on to what I want while the body's going somewhere else. Body can't be in two places at one time. So I'm either attached to the body and going where it goes, or I'm staying by myself and cutting myself off. I want to be where Jesus is. I want to look... Like Jesus looks. One mind. I'm going to share this because I thought it was a cute example. And I know Grandpa used to talk about sports a lot and I don't do that so much. Have you ever watched a football team and noticed that communication is critical? One of my, I, I kind of laugh about it. But I like watching when, when they try to do like a trick play and it doesn't go well. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, oh, we're, we're going to fake them out. Set, set, hike, and then somebody jumps. And the whole team, like, you can just see them. They're like, really, again? <laughs> Come on, we practiced this, man. <laughs> Communication fell apart. The message wasn't unified, and they were penalized for it. Does that happen today? Does the body speak different messages and get penalized for it because they weren't in union? It's a really good example because when we, when we are not unified in our message, it sets us back. It sets us, it sets us back with people that are, are looking for truth, that are looking for Jesus, but then they see like, they don't know what's going on. Why, why do they all think something different about this? I thought they were supposed to be like, you know, unified in this thing together. We succeed when we're of the mind of Christ. When we renew our minds to, to be minded like Jesus was. We're going to be unified. We're going to be strong. Our, our voice that is one. I mean, isn't that an amazing thought? Like someone can encounter one person from the church one day and they hear the message about, they hear about Jesus and their thoughts. And then they encounter someone else from the church another day and they just hear the same thing again and they think, wow, you guys like think the same. We're one. We're one family. We're one body. Of course we think the same. Because we're thinking on Jesus. It's not because I'm made just like you are. It's not because my opinions are just like your opinions. It's that I let that part of me die when I received Jesus. And so now I don't, 
I don't care what I feel or think about it. I care what Jesus says about it. Because that's what matters. That's what's true. That's what's right. And that's what I want to speak. I want to be in unity. And I promise this really is the final thing. The longer I look, the more I see. Second Peter 3.18 this is encouraging me to me because, you know, I, you know, I, so there have been different parts of my life where I've been into like kind of different hobbies and things. And there was a period of time where I really liked playing video games. And part of the thing with video games is you like level up along the way and eventually you reach the end. Eventually you reach the end of the game. Eventually you reach the highest level. And I know I'm speaking to someone that likes video games right now, okay? You reach the top end and that's the best you can do. That's the furthest you can go. Game's over. Got to get a new one. In Christ, what we're going to find here in 2 Peter 3, there is no end. There is no, I've made it. We are always going to have higher to go. We're always going to have, you know, more in line with Jesus to learn. We we can always come more, more accurately, more precisely into the path that he is walking ahead of us, but grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To him be glory both now and forever. Amen. Grow in grace and in knowledge of the Lord and Savior, Jesus. Grow in it. He doesn't say, grow until you get to this point and then you're done. He doesn't say, grow until this happens and then, and then you can just take, take, you know, put the brakes on, kick back, put cruise control, relax, enjoy it. He says, grow in grace and in knowledge of the Lord and Savior. This is because we are constantly becoming more and more like Jesus. Amen? Amen. It's good to grow into relationship. It's good to grow into the the path we're walking. The more we walk with Jesus, the more we look to Jesus our way. We see our Father. We come to know Him. And then we are able to walk most accurately the path to life. I'm going to end with this scripture as the worship team comes up. Proverbs 20, verse 7. The righteous... I'll read it off off of the King James Version up here. The just man walketh in his integrity. His children are blessed after him. A couple things as we close out this morning. First of all, I want to encourage all the fathers in here. You are making a difference in your kids' lives. Your, Your children are blessed to have a righteous man of integrity walking ahead of them. You, you, you are, are leading them in life. You are showing them an example. The, the relationship and reliance they have on you is so precious. And, and it builds them up to be like you one day. Because they look at you, they are, they are headed for your life. And so I encourage you in this, dads, take that responsibility so seriously. You know, I, I think today people maybe don't celebrate the role of a father as much as they should. Let me tell you, God loves fathers. He is one. And he's a good father. He's a perfect father. I'm so glad that all of us have the perfect father in heaven. A a, a perfectly righteous God. There is no integrity higher than the integrity of God. Amen? So fathers, I, I, I pray this over you today, that as you seek to follow after Jesus, as you open your eyes and follow him as Lord and Savior, And you take the example of the Heavenly Father and are an image of that to your families and kids and even those around you because there are some people that maybe they see you as a father figure whether they're related by blood and flesh or not. We're all of one body and as they see Jesus in you, they follow that example. And you become like a father. Maybe to those who don't have a father. Maybe to those who who have a distant relationship with their father. God is a father to the fatherless, and I believe in his body, everyone is fathered. 
So I pray over the fathers this morning that they would be built up, strengthened, encouraged, that you do have an example set before you. Whether you had a father when you were younger, whether you saw the example played out in a man here on earth or not, you have the perfect example of a father. Our Father God displayed through Jesus. And that as you follow after Him, even though we'll never get it perfect and get it 100% right, I believe this, that as, as you are faithful to follow after Jesus and be a man of integrity, a righteous one, living out that truth that Jesus has changed our spirit man into one that is righteous, you will be leading in love. You will be guiding and teaching and showing that the reliance of, of those that look to you, they would be blessed. They would be blessed. And Father God, we pray to you today, thanking you for your goodness in our life. Thanking you. You are the perfect example of a father. You have shown us your love. You have led us already in life. And Lord, I thank you that you never stop leading us. Your fatherhood in our life does not end at any point. You are an eternal father to us. God, we are grateful today that we get to spend eternity with you as our Father, leading us and guiding us, loving us with tender compassion like it says in the Word. Lord, we're so grateful that from whatever natural circumstance we've come to or come from, we have come to you, Lord. We have come to a relationship with the perfect Father. That is you. We celebrate you this morning. Father God, we love you. We praise you. We thank you. We glorify you. And Lord, I pray this too, that as we go today aware of how good of a father you are, I pray that you present opportunities to share the father we have found with others. We may not have been able to pick the, the earthly father that we had, but God, today we choose you as our eternal father, as our heavenly father. And I pray that as we make that choice, we would have opportunity to lead others to that choice too. I pray for those that maybe are, 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 are hurting or, or want a, father, a godly father in their life. I pray that they would find you, that you would use us, Lord, to be an image of you as, as we are ambassadors of Jesus. Thank you for working in the earth. You have not left anyone. You do not leave any without. I thank you for being a wonderful father today. We praise you. Church, will you pray this with me? Thank you, God, for being the perfect father, for loving us, leading us when we were unlovable and unleadable. Thank you, Lord, that you have never left us and that you never will. That as we rely on you, you are faithful to come through. We believe this today. We thank you for the relationship we have with you. In Jesus' name.